Listening to Onward with William McCarthy live from Zurich, Switzerland. Greetings, friends. Happy summer vibes. Happy August. So here I am. I'm in Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, it's been a fantastic summer. I literally rode the wheels off, <laughs> rode the wheels off of my motorcycle, uh, and there's a lot to talk about. So I'm I'm pulling up a coffee. I'm here in my hotel and I'm thrilled to tell you what kind of shenanigans I've gotten myself into this time. Well, um, I saw many of you uh, this summer at different festivals and uh, as you know, I decided to do it without a tour manager and with my motorbike that I had shipped over here when I lived in Berlin. Uh, this is such an interesting summer for me because I basically did everything counterintuitively and I did everything, um, I guess I saw a little gap of where I could insert some sort of adventure and <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Uh, festivals are an interesting thing in that they're generally on the weekend. Um, so like, you know, Thursday through Sunday type of thing. And I had a sort of a light itinerary this summer with the festivals and I, I looked at it and I thought wait why don't I try to do this on my bike <clears throat> so that's exactly what I did uh, I got I went through I don't know how many countries but I, I started in central Spain I went as far east as Romania um, as far south as eh, outskirts of Rome up to Switzerland um, and to Germany and eventually uh, my bike after 7,000 kilometers was making a really strange sound and uh, I had taken it almost like a you know like going to a, a doctor or something you know can, <laughs> that's fine my meniscus is, is is torn can I still play this weekend <laughs> I was really really like trying to find out if I, if my bike could continue um what i thought was like my great reward after all this would be spending my birthday down the uh coast of italy and it's a uh, you know my birthday's it's a celebration of uh of of where i'm at and sort of like a, a second lease on life that i was lucky enough to receive uh, with the birth of Augustine's. It's also a celebration of uh, Eric and I, our birthday. Todd uh, shares a birthday with Eric. And my brother shares a birthday with me, as we all know. Um, so August is kind of like, you know, it can be solemn, it can be reflective, but I like to go somewhere, if possible, to um, sit and reflect on things. So <clears throat> I've just returned back from Italy, and I'm I'm up here in Switzerland, uh, and it's funny, I'm retracing my steps. I, I had to leave my bike. My bike started making a funny sound um, in Germany. I noticed that when I was about the 70 mile per hour mark, it would make this kind of rattling sound. And uh, 
the bike was running pretty rich, as we say. <clears throat> it was uh, it was basically smelling like oil, and I couldn't figure it out. So I started going to all these mechanics, and they were saying, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, you need an entirely new engine if you want to continue with this motorbike, which put me into my helmet on yet another ride um, trying not to hit 70 mile per, miles per hour and just really wondering if this is it for uh, Elsa and I. So thankfully, um, because of our community, uh, I have people all over the world that uh, I can turn to, um, not just for a pint, but for some life advice, or in this case, like motorcycle advice. And Stelios and Nina in Germany um, were absolute angels and uh, brought me to a mechanic. Of course, he didn't speak any English, and it was actually super cool to watch a German mechanic make his way around a German motorcycle, which was, you know, I'm in this like warehouse out in the outskirts of town, um, totally vibey. There's old like parts everywhere, and this guy was, you know, going around the bike and explaining it. So I had to leave the bike behind. Um, so when I left the bike behind, I, th I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go do my birthday and I'll circle back around for it. So I was in Switzerland and, um, there's a, a friend of mine named Pascal here and Pascal, uh, a lot, he let me keep my guitars at his house and my, my music gear essentially. And I decided to do this Italy trip. Uh, <laughs> The Italy trip went completely south. A, I didn't have my motorcycle, which was what the whole trip was about. And I wanted to cross the 10,000 kilometer mark, which for me um, is really meaningful because it doesn't just represent uh, a motorbike and like a holiday. It represents um, a willingness to push no matter what as far as away as far as far as far away from uh sort of the monotone existence that we all can find ourselves in if we're not careful and i i've lived my life in a way that i i've always tried to push myself and i think this was sort of like that arctic circle mexico thing that i did on my bike some years ago it was sort of like a way to push myself um and prove that uh, that I could do it. And and it's not just sort of like an endurance thing. It's sort of like opening up my intellect and learning and exploring and having uh, like a kind of like a currency to share with other people who have traveled. And it helps me feel a connectivity with uh, the world at large and understand cultures and um, classes and races and everything under the uh, you know under the bright blue sky so there I was I decided that the show must go on the tour must go on the journey must go on and I rented a, a, a Fiat little hatchback uh, European car and I decided to just keep going and within 24 hours <laughs> I traveled 7,000 kilometers with no issue I rent a car and within 24 hours it's broken into and everything I have is is stolen. 
so I know the drill. Uh, long ago, when I first came to Europe, when I was 23, um, my traveling companion, uh, Chris, he, we were on, asleep on a train, a train that we did not pay to be on, and we were heading down to Napoli, and uh, we woke up and his bag was stolen. So it brought back, it brought back some memories, and uh, what do you do? Um, what do you do when your entire provisions for a trip are just stolen and gone? So my boots, um, music equipment, shoes, underwear, all my toiletries, my toiletry bag, uh, everything was gone. And here I am. <clears throat> here I am going to the police officer and you know, then you get the big I told you so from everyone that you know and you hear some like stories, you know, oh my aunt went to Italy, she was pickpocketed and so on, and you're like, No, I'm not like a beginning a beginner traveler. <laughs> I got this. But I guess it could happen to anyone. So what I find interesting about that experience is that um, I, w I had been up in the north of Italy on the bike and I was in this sort of, I really love a bad hotel. Anyone that knows me knows that. Um, <laughs> when I say I'm in a and b it generally means Airbnb, but I like bad hotels because as long as the Wi-Fi is good, um, I can be there without, you know, beating myself up about it and it's, you know, 40, 50 bucks and you sit there and you see some crazy characters come through which I'm realizing has a lot to do with where I'm from in small towns you know because of a lack of uh, data and, sti and stimuli you're sort of start basically essentially like hyper people watching and, and having humor and uh, so that's what those hotels are about for me and I was at this bar hotel bar and uh, I was talking to this gentleman, and he was an African guy. And he was telling me he was about 50 years old, and he was saying he really want he, you know, we were relating because I was saying, you know, I'm not from New York, but it's my home. And there's like a yearning, you know, that, that I feel all the time. And he was saying, I feel a yearning too. And he was talking about his country in Africa. I'm forgetting which one it was. And he was saying that he came on a boat uh, to Europe, uh, like a, refuge, a, re a refugee vessel, and that people died on the way over, and that he was really afraid that if he went back, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't survive the boat, or he couldn't, he couldn't stomach it, but that he yearned for home. And I, I really, you know, his, his story like many people's stories stayed with me through these travels and when my when my bag was stolen uh out of the trunk and I still don't know how they got in there I just thought you know whoever stole it probably needs it more than I do you know so that gave me some peace and I I I think what I learned from that bartender was that just because we can't fathom something doesn't mean that it's not happening or that it's not real. So the desperation that one feels when they board a ship with 90 people 
and they go through the night and they get dropped off on some foreign shores and cut loose to just go into society and try to survive. I mean, this is a very, um, this, this is, this is a shock, you know, to think about that people are that desperate. So in the face of, um, the terrorist attacks that are going on and Donald Trump and these, uh, you know, right radicals and so on, I felt very grounded, which is what the road is about for me. Uh, I felt very grounded in that I was still trying to be compassionate through uh, essentially some first world crime that had happened. And, you know, there's a lot to reflect about. So I felt like I kind of passed through this challenge uh, in the best way that I could in, in a way that I'm proud of. Uh, that doesn't mean that I didn't go to Carrefour. I don't know if anyone knows that. It's like this large sort of Walmart type of place. And I bought myself a really bad suitcase and a bunch of cheap underwear and just the basics, you know. And so gone is my toiletry bag. And now I have a plastic bag, one pair of shorts, no jacket, my sandals, uh, flip-flops, and... <laughs> And I tried to continue on with the trip. And I'll be honest with you, like, I guess the best way to sum up, um, it wouldn't be the best title for this podcast, but these are first world problems, you know? Um, Boo-hoo, I got robbed on holiday, boo. But it doesn't mean that it didn't completely impact my trip. And I felt like really far away from the onward community and I felt far away from music. And, you know, it bruised, it bruised my journey for sure. Um, there's a woman that runs a hotel here in Zurich. It's another like kind of cheap spot that I go to. It's got like three floors and it's like a shared bathroom. And she's like the 70 year old bohemian type of lady. And over breakfast when I'm staying there, uh, I, I have really nice conversations with her. And she was telling me once uh, you know, it, it is important that you don't become upset on while traveling because it can ruin your journey. And I think there was a translation thing there, but I think what she's saying is you can't let something get you. Like really, really um, knock you out because it will affect your trip. So I fought really hard to not let this thing... Um, ruin my trip but you know it kind of did <laughs> and nothing against uh the american embassy in florence but god what a shit show that was guys come on they told me they were too busy to help and i walked away and i stopped and i said you know what? i'm going back in there and i went through the security and the humiliating aspect of removing my belt and my blah 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 and put it in the box and here you go you know which i get you know in our times, I understand that needs to happen, but I went up there and there was literally two people in there, two in the waiting room. And I, I just, they were just, I don't know what their issue was, but they weren't helpful at all. Um, I decided I'll go to Milan and basically um, ended up in Milan in an embassy and they were very helpful. And I got my passport. It's this uh, generic. Uh, passport that's only good for a year and the lady said um, you have had different last names in your life what is this about and I'm like uh, I'm, I'm, a I'm a former foster kid uh, well you have lost 
three passports. Uh, what is this? And I was sitting there and I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't remember that. And I went back to the waiting room and I sat down. I realized what had happened is I had turned in my passports because I had so many stamps on them. They were full. That's happened three uh, times in my life. So that, that, that gave me some pride, but also now my passport, I have to go on a year to year basis with them. And so whoever this fellow is or people um, that broke into my car and stole my stuff, man, you have <laughs> negatively impacted uh, my passport game. That sucks. Um, okay, so moving along. Um, Donald Trump in the news. I don't really mess with politics. I don't really mess with religion. Um, but I can say um, this is a hard time for Americans. I think it's a hard time for the world, but man, this guy is embarrassing. Um, I'm, I'm saddened and it's, I'm going back to America in a couple days. Uh, so we've got this neo-Nazi uh, extreme right, uh, people with torches and so on. And I just look at it and I hope, you know, these podcasts are supposed to be freewheeling, kind of like chatting over a pint or something and um, I know on the last podcast there was like a whole dialogue and a thread that began and I need to really not read those because what this is about is just uh, just as we'd say in the states just kicking it real just being real and being me and I don't I love political correctness because I think it uh, protects people who need to be protected but it's it's also it can also be a glaze over everything where you can't really see the contour, um, sharp edges, and people get real careful with their words. And I think when when that happens, everything becomes kind of one big diet cola. And that sucks. So that's really not what my intention was for this. So to clear up, uh, I know there's a couple comments like, you know, I'd really, I'd really love... I really love Bill's music, but I don't need to be seeing him riding a motorbike around the world, which I find... You know, uh, I don't know, I find that interesting. Uh, I, I think that's what my life is about, and that's what my music comes from. So it's all interconnected. Um, so uh, another thing was, you know, there was a big long thread, and I'm sure there could be a thread about my feelings about Donald Trump, but I mean, this guy's, he's, he's, he's a creep. You know, he's been a creep. Uh, I don't know in different countries if you guys had him on your radar like we did in the 80s he was sort of like this um poster child of 80s uh wall street success and he was this young um his hair wasn't as bad back then but he was like this young flashy opulent marble pillars in his hotel room cocky gum chewing guy and he would end up i think he was in a tom hanks movie and he would end up kind of in Hollywood roles, and he was just sort of like this epitome of like 80s excess, right? But not like in like a limo, um, you know, bumping music, but in this like sterile, clinical, money-making way. And it's just very weird that he's the president. I won't demonize anyone for wanting change, I understand, um, with the onset of terrorists and uh, terror in America finally making its way to our shores. I'm sure people, you know, it was a call to arms, and so they want change, but fuck, man, look where we're at. I don't think I've ever seen uh, 
I've never seen like a potential impeachment uh, in my lifetime. Um, uh, Russian stuff, uh, this wall, there's so many offenses going on here. And uh, just hard to watch. And, you know, guys from, you know, hard, uh, Home Depot <laughs> hardware store torches, you know, wandering through the streets. I got to say, you know, there's another aspect of this in that, you know, the media, uh, you guys all remember my airplane story when, when that plane I was on was grounded and there was like Augustine's music playing on the news and singer of Augustine's desperate last plea. And it was like, man, fuck off. Like, don't make this a terrorist attack. This was an alcoholic guy in the front of the plane getting an argument. But to see how it was spun, I really saw how malleable um, and how manipulated like the mass populace really is. And I, I, I think... There's a tone, at least on social media, that, um, you know, if you're not talking about the problem, then you're part of the problem. And I have to say, you know, what about, and I have, I have friends from all walks of life, uh, colors, religions, uh, classes, ages, and I look at it and I'm thinking, you know what, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if I want to weigh in on the fucking KKK. Like, didn't we, you know... I don't know if it's taken the rest of my country to like, you know, it's taken them time to shake off the hangover from Jim Crow and the civil rights and all this. But like, as far as I know, like in New York City and California, which are the, my two bases, like we haven't had at least the circles that I've been in and uh, the people that I've that I've had around me. I've never I've never seen uh I've never seen anybody hanging on to the past. We've all gone forward and progressed, i.e. progressive, right? So it's really kind of a throwback and it's just ugly. And I also think it's very weird that we use the word Nazis for these people. Like Nazis came into power in 1933. It was uh, after the First World War. This is a completely different, uh, completely different era, uh, country, government, uh, political situation. Um, and it's just weird to give them this name. That's like, it doesn't seem right to me. Uh, so just seeing the word neo-Nazi, Nazi, radical, uh, ultra conservative, I'm just like, ugh, yuck. And I turn my cheek, not because I'm ignorant or I'm ignoring, or I don't want to champion. I just think that there's larger zoom out big picture topics in the world, um, like refugees immigration, um, homelessness, uh, mental illness, that these, these are the things that resonate with me. So it's almost like my shopping cart's full. Like I can't take on the fucking KKK right now. Uh, and I'm not turning my cheek. So I think that that tone is really slippery. And I think that, uh, when I look at what just happened in Barcelona, you know, people are kind of, um, pushing back saying, you know, okay, hashtag it, pray for Barcelona. Let's move on to the next one. And that's really sad being desensitized, you know? Um, so I don't know what these folks want. It, it breaks my heart. Um, but let's just put that back in its box, uh, sort of encapsulates God and religion and politics and everything. So let's just leave that yucky gremlin, uh, which is, kind of a <laughs> penultimate uh, 
telling moment of our times, but I just, I got to turn away from it because there's only so much before it rocks my boat and I become weakened and I can't do my job. So I wanted to tell you guys a funny story. Um, so my job and my path is to like, you know, live out loud, be all I can be, um, be the best version of myself that I can and be as honest as I can. Uh, I have to tell you this story honestly. So I'm down to one pair of shorts and I I got these I think in Spain and I was really happy because they're sort of like this canvas thread knit type of shorts. <laughs> the crotch is blown because I've worn them I've worn them every day for weeks. The crotch is blown out and I started realizing the zipper was getting a little funny. And when I took the train up here to Switzerland, and the reason I'm in Switzerland is because I'd like to do some video work with Pascal for the album. I'm on the train yesterday, and like the zipper has, you know, there's teeth, like the track of a zipper is like these teeth, right? Well, some of them are blown out and they've like broken off. And I'm trying to get the zipper back on the teeth, and I'm hunched over, and I'm kind of like, you know, looking down, and I'm. And and I'm I'm trying to zip this thing up and, and and just get it on the track and I'm kind of breathing, you know, and like trying to concentrate, you know, when you bite your, you know, your lip, like so I'm doing this, and I realize that it's very possible that it looks like I'm playing with myself and I look to the right and there's a girl in a wheelchair, bless her heart, she's just kind of like staring at me and there's an it's a man with a newspaper. In this fast-moving train that's going over like the Alps into, into Switzerland, and I'm like breathing, and and looks like I'm masturbating, like I'm publicly masturbating. <laughs> so this poor girl in the wheelchair who can't like back up or anything, she's just like stuck there watching me play with my my groin, basically. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I like I said, I've I've got this bad Carrefour suitcase with like a see-through plastic bag full of toiletries and all I have left is like my my flip-flops I don't know if you call them that in Europe or my sandals cheap beach sandals and one on the right side is broken so the crotch is blown out the zipper doesn't zip up I have no jacket I've got this <laughs> I've got this like bad suitcase that like the axis of of the suitcase like where the wheels are it just doesn't roll well so it's it starts getting this like speed wobbles going so I'm there my junk is hanging out um of my pants I've got my fucking you know wobbly suitcase and I'm limping through perhaps the most pristine looking place in Europe Zurich right so I'm wandering around I don't have any like hair products so my froey big afro irish hair is flopping everywhere and i'm wearing this very wrinkled up messed up um shirt i got from nepal that makes me look like a like a very low level weed dealer some bad faux hippie hacky sack drum circle guy and i'm like limping around because this flip-flop and I've got this bad suitcase, and I'm just <laughs> laughing at myself because I'm trying to go from Starbucks to McDonald's, from McDonald's to wherever I can find Wi-Fi. And um, I'm looking pretty bad uh, standing there with uh, a Starbucks coffee that I already drank an hour ago 
because the Wi-Fi is weak in Europe, I can't use it outside like a normal human being, so I'm standing in there loitering with my zipper broken. It's a goddamn catastrophe. <laughs> so, uh, moving onwards, I saw the film, and it uh, it's left me speechless. I think that, you know, what I'm realizing about being in, I wouldn't say the public eye, uh, my public's eye, uh, being visible, I guess you could say, uh, there's always going to be a thread for everything. Um, I really, like I said, I really gravitate towards comedians like Billy Connolly and Louis C.K. and, and these guys, and I love just how unhinged they, they are. I really want to be that unhinged, but I don't know that it would fare very well. Uh, in music, I'm not sure. There's people who have taken it too far, i.e., like Ted Nugent, um, <laughs> and then there's uh, you know, uh, then there's me, uh, and I you know, I try to generally avoid uh, politics and so on. Um, but watching this film is really interesting because there is there is I, I don't want to give it away, but you know, going back into my life story and going into um, Eric's life story and Rob's, you know, you start looking at uh, different, uh, different backgrounds and different classes, and it is remarkable to me where we got to. And when I'm watching it, you know, don't you ever think that I don't want Augustines to be together? You know, it just, I think it becomes painful to realize that we can't be together, that we went to the mountaintop. Like Martin Luther King said, I've been to the mountaintop, and I have been to the mountaintop. And um, what was going on behind the scenes is so unfortunate, and it's such a pain in the ass that we couldn't, we could not feed ourselves. So it, it, it is bittersweet, but it's also, uh, there's a lot of pride. And uh, seeing it, Todd asked me to make some notes and to be honest I don't know that I really have any because how could I make notes about um, someone else's perception of my life journey so all I can really say is that you're if if our story has resonated with you or touched you in any way um, I think that it will it, 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 it will move you it, it moved me uh, so proud of Todd. I know it's taken a while. Um, and I want to say thank you for all the feedback, uh, that you've given me about my album. Um, of course there's a thread, there's threads everywhere. And the, one of the threads was like, why so many covers? And because it's a covers album, essentially I wanted to cover Pela. I wanted to, uh, cover, I wanted to cover Augustine's tune. I wanted to cover writers. It was about lyrics for me. Um, and, and to be totally honest with you, um, this was, you know, I got off the road in what, November? Um, I had Eric on the phone within a couple of weeks and I was like, okay, let's do a record. And he's like, well, send me your demos. And, and I did. And I really thought about it. And I was like, you know, I just, I feel like I need to get back to lyrics, you know? And, I, and Eric, really, he suggested like, why don't you cover people that you think are great? And I did that, and it wasn't easy. Uh, and so if there's some disharmony or, uh, I don't know, pushback that, hey, what about we want McCarthy tunes, I'd say, hey, guess what? I'm by myself. Um, my friend Lisa has been kind enough to uh, help uh, steer this ship, but, man, I was just at her house in Wales, like, signing and um, getting CDs ready to go in the mail, of which they are, and things go a little bit slower. 
And uh, that's, you know, I think that if I had waited for a label and waited for um, all the th- all the components that it takes to put a record out, I, you know, we wouldn't have even had a record wouldn't be out till 2018, surely. So um, there's people uh, like Laura that's and Emma that are helping with the with the festival in June. Um, there's uh, my friend Ulrika who's helping me with the book. And, um, you know, no one wants to be jack of all trades, master of none. Um, I certainly do not. But what I can say is like hands, all hands on deck. Um, (laughs) Sometimes there's a lack of hands. So uh, I think doing a record and challenging myself seemed like the right fit. I trust Eric. I trust Peter Cadis. And these were these were the voices in my corner at the time. And I took on this record and I'm really proud of it. Like I said, you're always gonna. There's always gonna be a thread. Why is there, you know, why is there no lyrics on Prenzlauberg Blues? And it's, you know, I think that. Um, I wanted to remind you guys that I am. Um, I believe on the thirtieth, I'm doing. Uh, we're doing a Facebook Live with Eric, and myself, and we'll be discussing the record. And you know, I walk a fine line. I was just having a coffee, and I walked by a travel agency, and I thought, holy shit. <laughs> you know, those guys have been phased out, right? Um, uh, because people have hard drives and so on, and a lot of computers don't have CDs, and so DVDs, a lot of these things are being phased out. So we're in this kind of uh, modern time of technology where it's literally tumbling over itself. And uh, I look at all this and I think, wow, um, I have to make decisions on the fly. And um, I I run the risk sometimes of giving away too much information. Like I want some things to be a mystery, but are we in those times? Um, are we in the? Are we in a time of mystery? I think not. Um, I think back in the back in the day, you would get like an instructional video cassette on self defense or break dancing or skateboard tricks, and like you would wait forever to get your hands on this thing, and you would watch it and you would memorize every every iota, every second. Um, of this video and it would really become a part of you Uh, and I think now with Google and so on um, we don't pine like we used to Um, it's about go 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 it's about multitasking it's about information so if I ever seem sluggish to like let people in on the meaning of things it's because you know there were I you know I came up in in the indie rock era where people didn't have their photo on their CDs a lot of the time and they didn't print their lyrics and there wasn't anywhere you could go to find that and I like that romance um I like I like inspiring some kind of thought so um what's next well I will be repairing my motorbike uh, long distance, thanks to Stelios, and uh, I will be working on the book long distance, thanks to Ulrika's help. Lisa's uh, been amazing through all this. Uh, she's on holiday right now, and um, you know we didn't even get to tie one on. We didn't even get to have a proper drink last time I saw her because we were, I was, you know, we were working so much. But uh, next phase for me is the lyrics. So part of my uh, Patreon commitment is to uh for the higher tier donors is to write out lyrics and send them so that journey is going to be uh it's going to be daunting but i'm up for it and i really feel so thankful that you guys are there i 
I looked at the numbers of my uh, festivals, and I think I I broke even. And when we say broke even, obviously it means you spent the same amount of money that you made. <laughs> and uh, I've done that on the record as well. So like, if it wasn't for your support, like I wouldn't really be. Um, I'm not really in a in a place of profitability just yet. Um, and I'm trying to figure out. You know, people have have whispered maybe I need to go on a label um, for the next record, and uh, you know I'm thinking about that stuff. I'm, profitability is really hard out here, um, which brings me up to my next point: United States of America. Um, yeah, so I've got to tour America, and I want to tour America. Um, through watching the film, I really see. Um, you know, people are like, why don't you come to America as much? I'll just tell you. Uh, okay, firstly, there's the spiritual side of it. Uh, I was so enamored with Americana, Lonnie Johnson, Billie Holiday, uh, uh, Lou Reed. This is so many like titans um, in the American songbook, right? Um, that I just really chased these guys down from the age of 17. I was like right, taking greyhounds, I was hitchhiking literally standing on the side of a freeway with a guitar and, you know, getting into cars with weird people, going to the next place, staying on floors. And I really was rocking that. I was rocking that really early on. And I was a kind of monastic lifestyle and just um, music, 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 learning, 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 music, 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 learning, learning, learning. And I really crushed it. And then with Paler, we crushed it even more. And in the film, it goes into that. But um, what, what I, I feel funny about America in that, um, by the way, this is the longest podcast I've ever done. <laughs> we passed that a long time ago. Uh, you know, America's funny because like we made it all the way up to the television, network television level. And, um, you know, we went out with like kind of like, I don't know guys like Lumineers were contacting us to go out with them and we did Coachella and um, we went out with Counting Crows and all these kind of like real big rooms and then I think when we circled back around with Augustine's it was back down to the clubs and uh, you know the labels to be totally fair with you in America uh, were fair which is saying a lot but not transformative in many ways and largely the biggest problem that we had was with our agents with our booking agents um, me arguing with clubs like please turn on the air conditioning it's sweltering in here and them saying no that happens in America too clubs with no towels this kind of bullshit um, equipment in disrepair and we'd roll in there having really truly being veterans at this point like having played all over the world and come to America and we're down in the in the you know in a music ghetto um, and it was just fucking frustrating. And we'd talk to our agents, you know, we would pull into places. And because America is so big and so discombobulated and so, and so poorly run the music industry, I would fucking be in my van rolling up to a club and watching them putting up the posters as we pull in. And like this kind of, these kind of shenanigans. So I've, you know, people ask like, when you come into America, largely the profitability thing sucks, but I think there's ways around it. Uh, I think I realized on my motorbike something kind of beautiful that I don't need a tour manager. You know, and tour managers can be 250 pounds a day, and that's, you know, a lot of money goes to that. I think I could actually drive myself around in a rental car. It won't be the big amplifier, um, 
journals, map stories, and songs, like slideshow kind of production would be me and a guitar. And I, I think the fans would be cool with that. So when I look at the American topic, Augustine sold out everything we did the last tour and the ones before it. But I have to say, I don't think any agents would take me. <laughs> so you're William, William McCarthy. You're not 25 anymore. Um, you don't have a record label. And you have uh, a smattering. Uh, you have fans scattered all over the country. What's your draw? How many drinks can you sell? Uh, what's the door price? Uh, and it's just like, fuck, how do I explain to these people it's not about that and not be treated like an absolute piece of shit? Um, or a beginner. So, you know, music's much like a class system. They say New York City's for the poor or the rich. Uh, the middle has a struggle on their hands. And it's the same with, with the music community. It's like if you're playing for beer and trying to get in girls' knickers and drive around with your buddies, like, great, more power to you. If you're minted and you're chilling in a bus, God bless you. If you're in the middle, um, <laughs> uh, you, got, you, you got some woe. So I'm not in the middle. I'm more like, you know, sans wanting to get in girls' knickers and drink crappy lager. Um, I'm down in those ranks. So I've got to figure out how to get out of that. Um, when I was spending time in Germany with Nina and uh, Stelios, they discussed doing living room shows and um i can't really quite figure out how to monetize that like what do you pass the hat i mean hotels are you know 70 to 100 bucks a day uh gas prices are bananas in america at the moment so filling up a, a tank of gas once twice a day you know you're up to like 200 there um i guess you could pass a hat and try to get 200 bucks in there per day but what does that look like in a, you know, so it's 3,500 miles across, 1,500 miles down, you know, 3,500 across, so that's 7,000, 8,500. You're looking at 10,000 miles. Um, again, like, uh, to keep the show on the road, which Springsteen, James Brown, the Allman Brothers, so many people, like, they lived lifetimes on the road, and you've got to figure out how to make this shit work. Um, pressing up uh, merch and so on, even if I printed my books in Europe and had them shipped over, like, you know, the shipping costs and so on, like, I could do it on the skinny. I'm just not seeing how it could work. So I'm trying, what I'm, you know, if you're following this train of thought with me, I'm trying to work around the agents and just chart my own kind of, uh, <laughs> my own Lewis and Clark, uh, transcontinental, um, you know, journey, Sacagawea, the native American girl could, uh, lead me across through the night to safety to yet another living room show, but I'm not quite sure, uh, how to make it work. So I'm really trying to figure out if you have any ideas, feel free to DM me, um, you know, direct message. You can email me. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. Another thing that people have suggested is why don't you just support, man? Um, there's a there's a really great guy, uh, songwriter called Jeffrey Lewis, I believe is his name. He's got a great song called Support Tours. It's on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, hilarious. Yes, I could go support people and you will get to see me play about 25 minutes. And it breaks my heart when people, it's always broken my heart when people try to come see us. 
um, supporting Noel Gallagher and they buy the $30 ticket and they see us play for the 30 minutes they'll give us and then we don't get to go out and hang out and it, we got to get on to the next town because we're in a van and Noel's in a bus and it just sucks. So I'd like to give you the two, two plus hour show, you know. So let's figure out how to do that. Um, so I'm going to limp my ass uh, over to Pascal's today and see if we can do some filming stuff for the for the album. I'm feeling really good about it. Uh, pardon me for disappearing on the podcast front. It's generally because I was just moving around a lot and uh, I could use the Wi-Fi as an excuse because it is really a legitimate excuse a lot of the time. But the truth is, I think after that last podcast, I was a little bit bruised, like, wow, um, uh, I wasn't used to the thread thing, so maybe I just need to not look at the thread and just do me and do my road stuff. And no, I'm not gallivanting around, um, you know, at Club Med on my um, beautiful brand new motorcycle, uh, breakdancing into the hotel, uh, drinking expensive Cosmopolitans. Who even drinks those? sorry, martinis, and, uh, you know, just making it all look easy. No, I'm not. It's actually completely something different. So I'm sorry if that, can I be honest with you? A lot of the motorbike thing is because deep down inside, no bullshit. My dream is to transition, you know, later through this decade into like a musicology place because I have such a love of world music and a love of, of cultures and um, and architecture and history that I thought it would be great to sort of uh, MC my own webisode series of going into like I was in this place in Italy, um, and they were there was a, it was a some kind of parade and it was like uh, Renaissance music and these people were playing these like sort of bagpipes, you know. I think they're called canters, two canters like in the mouth, squeezing this thing, and it was glorious. People wearing like some bizarre, um, you know, like in, in Verona or uh, what, where is it? Uh, Venice, they have, you know, those kind of like bizarre uh, Phantom of the Opera type looking garb. They were rocking that and they were all dancing this strange, almost like a Welch stick dancing type of thing. And I like, those are the kind of experiences that I would love to have. So I think the motorbike was me kind of trying to um, work that into my repertoire, my, in, in my vocabulary and, and get that going. And, and maybe we could see me going into, you know, Turkey or Romania um, or, or Bulgaria or Sicily or uh, Nova Scotia um, and going to the heart of like music there and talking about it and maybe doing some kind of like uh CD like or a recording of field recordings of places I've gone and explain like architecture a bit about the history how music um came from this place you know the other day I was just looking <laughs> this is the type of stuff I do on my own I was trying to find out the oldest perfumes like the the, the history of perfume and fragrances and where that came from and um, I think I found out that there people going back four thousand years were wearing fragrances and what those perhaps smelled like and these are the type of things I want to like talk about you know but I get two hours on stage um, to talk about uh, whatever 
whatever the night will yield, but whatever I can get away with. So I'm always trying to insert like, um, uh, you know, what stimulates me and what moves me. And I, so again, the motorbike had like a lot of different aspects to it. And, um, you know, like I said, there's a thread, (laughs) there's always going to be a thread. So I just, uh, I'm going to sign off now and, I appreciate you letting me open up my head and and get all these thoughts out to you. I'm going to, uh, like I said, head over to Pascal's and see if we can't do some filming. And I really hope that the album finds you well. I've listened to it more than a few times. Again, lack of Wi-Fi, legitimate excuse. Uh, I've listened to it more than a few times on this trip. And, you know, I'm going back to America right now knowing that on this very trip, I recorded songs that are in your headphones now. So thank you for your stage support and thank you for being there for me. Um, All the people that came out to Liverpool, that was really unfair and I'm really sorry for that. I was backing my buddy Gaz, he needed to get on with his day and he made a suggestion that we head to Birmingham, I believe it was, uh, and that he, he felt like that would be the fastest and best way for him to let him, you know, help him get on with his evening and so on. And I, you know, my spirit is the type that I would love to have been out there on the, on the street, just playing for you guys. And it really, those are the very difficult moments of, uh, of, of where I'm at is feeling you and not really being able to do as much as I'd like to about it. So I'm putting my, my big McCarthy arms around you and saying, thank you so much. Um, don't, don't drown in these headlines and keep your chins up and I will see you very soon. All my love to you from Zurich, Switzerland, New York City, I'm coming home.